This is Further, a weekly show for the people of Harmony Bible Church, where we seek to revisit and expand on Sunday sermons with the goal of growing deeper in biblical truth that transforms our lives. Welcome back to Further. I'm Brenton Grimm, and today we have Chris Carr here with us. How's it going? Pretty good. Looking forward to our discussion today. Yeah. So just to start this out, um, this week is Global Week, which is... It's been really, really cool to see some of the stuff that we've um, we've done for it. So we've had uh, you know, some some guests here that um, are really just making a huge impact in other places in the world, um, and have lots of events this week. So can you talk a little bit about what we're doing for Global Week, why we do it, and how sure. it's going? Sure, this is uh, become an annual kind of event for us. Uh, for us just to take some time to focus on uh, really the the global mission uh, that God has and has invited us into to see the gospel go to all the peoples of the world, to spread uh, the fame of his name to all the nations. And um, it's uh, just a great time for us to keep that in front of our church body and also to interact with uh, some of our field staff and field partners, spend time in prayer. Um, hopefully, uh, one, one of the biggest things we are, we are hoping for from this week is that God will raise up people to, to go. Um, we're clearly told in uh, Luke 10 and uh, Matthew 9 that we're to pray uh, that uh, the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into the harvest. And so we want to pray uh, that this week, and hopefully that will be the result. So, um, And it's just a really a great time for us to get a, a global perspective and kind of get out of our own bubble that we live in here uh, in the Midwest and really even in, in the United States, and, and to see that God is a global God and um, what's going on in in the church uh, is much bigger than, than Harmony Bible Church. Yeah, it's certainly easy to get caught up in what's going on here. We have... We have a lot going on, but uh, there is a lot going on in this world that that we're not involved with, and so it's it's good to hear what's going on, especially what God's doing in the world. Yeah, it's also encouraging just to hear in the midst of all of the, if I could just say, drama that we've got going on in um, our country and really globally, all of the uh, the difficult things and the conflicts and even wars that God's still working and he is doing so in some very, very significant ways um, in some of the hardest places um, in the world. So um, some of our guests here this week are, are literally ministering in, uh, in and to um, some of the hardest really places in, in the world and most gospel resistant places and people. And this is encouraging just to see how um, Jesus is building his church and nothing can stop it. Yeah, for sure. Well, so uh, this last week uh, you preached on Romans 15 again, you did 14 to 33. Um, so I'm going to start uh, with something that you said. You, you talked about how worship leads to witness and how you know that's uh, that's cyclical because the process will repeat with the new believer. So, can you talk more about the the connection between worship and witness? Why why does one lead to the other? And maybe what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't lead to the other? 
Yeah. So that's a big question. And you may need to remind me of the second part of that, because yeah. uh, I probably will go on for a little bit here, because uh, it's a, a really uh, great question and really important one for us to, to be clear on. So the um, ultimate goal of the church, and, uh, and I just wanted to say this and keep reminding us, when we say the church, we need to recognize that the church is made up of of believers. And so all Christians are part of the, the church. Um, and so the ultimate goal of the church and therefore each individual Christian is, is worship. Um, we were created to worship, um, sin, um, really ruined our ability to be able to, to truly worship God. Instead of worshiping him, we worship created things. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter one, Jesus came, uh, to save us and redeem us and to restore us to worship to, to, to do what we were created to do. And that's also what we will do for all eternity um, on the new heavens and the new earth is, is to worship the Father, the Son, um, and, and the Spirit. And so um, worship, um, therefore, is the goal of the church and is therefore the, the goal of missions. So what we want to do, um, and I will just uh, quote John Piper here again, um, he says, is that in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into the white hot enjoyment of God's uh, glory. Uh, the goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples uh, in the greatness of God. And uh, a great passage here, uh, Psalm 67, 3 and 4, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. So that's, that is um, the ultimate goal there, that the church and of missions is to see people come um, into to, to worshiping the Lord, to being glad, um, to singing for joy over who he is and, and, and what he has done for us. Um, but then it is also... Um, Worship is also the the fuel of, of, of missions, or worship is the fuel of witness. Um, and I'm going to quote Piper again here, uh, because what he has to say, I just think really nails it. He says, you can't commend what you don't cherish. <laughs> okay, so in other words, it, uh, worship is the fuel of missions, because if we're not worshiping the Lord, or we're not cherishing him. We're not going to commend him uh, to other people. Um, and so it's the goal, but it's also the fuel that drives us out to that. And and I think we all can, can easily recognize that we will commend what we worship, okay, or what we're, maybe put it this way, what we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, if, uh, you know, all the Kansas City Chiefs fans right now, they're going to commend to you know, their team and um, because they're passionate about it in some ways, maybe even they're, they're worshiping it. And you can use that for a bunch of um, sports teams here in Iowa. Everybody's talking about Caitlin Clark, right? And um, because they are passionate about her, they love her. And um, and so they're going to commend her. Hey, what, you want to go to the game? You, you want to watch, you know, how great she is. And in, in a nutshell, that's 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 how worship and witness are connected. And they're connected in, 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 in every area of life. Whatever we're passionate about, we're going to witness about. Um, and so um, then to this, the second part of your question, I, I did remember it. What, it. If, uh, what, what if worship doesn't lead um, to witness? Um, yeah. I mean, I think here, this is where we got to go back to the gospel. And, and if we're, we're not witnessing, do we, do we really truly understand the gospel and and what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Do 
we we really um, grasp how lost we were and hopeless we were, uh, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, without God and without hope in the world. But um, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, <laughs> you know, uh, God made us alive in Christ Jesus is by grace you're saved. Um, and so if we if we really, really get that and how great it truly is, we're, we're naturally going to want other people to join us um, in that greatness and, and, and to experience the same salvation that we have. And so if we have a witness problem, we really have a gospel problem. Mm. And um, that doesn't mean that we're not saved, um, and because I think evangelism is one of the predominant things that believers they they struggle with. Um, yeah. It just means that that we um, we really need to to go back and to dig into the gospel, and um, we need to immerse ourselves in it. And then we probably also, from a practical standpoint, we we probably also need to learn how to actually uh, share the gospel and, and how to witness and um, get equipped uh, in, in order to do so. Yeah. Well, I think it, this should at least be a, a you know, a, a, f- a flag for you, a warning sign that if, if that's not something that's even on your radar, then um, I, I think we should recognize that as a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's step one is just recognizing that, that there is a problem with that. Um, yeah. But I will say I, I, I love uh, the, the quote by Piper because I think it puts a positive view um, on, on missions instead of, a, you know, we need to rescue people from, from hell. Mm-hmm. It's we want to invite them into what we are already invited into. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's an important way to look at it. Instead of this duty, it's an invitation to people. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons, um, there are many of them, but I think that corporate worship is so important as we, we come together and we worship the Lord um, together and and through preaching, for sure, um, but also through fellowshipping with one another, encouraging one another, speaking in one another, and in, in singing uh, together and worshiping him with our, our voices is that it um, it is it's part of the way that we get fueled, energized, motivated to go out and to hopefully invite other people into that worship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in verse 17, Paul says that he has reason to be proud of his work for God. He's referring to the growth in the Roman church largely from his efforts so I'm curious, as as the lead pastor of Harmony for coming up on 15 years, right? Um, 13. 13. Yeah. That's still a long time. <laughs> Can you relate to his feelings here at all? I, I mean, how how would you describe the growth that's taken place here since you joined, and, and what are your 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 feelings as, as pastor? Yeah, I, I want to be careful here uh, on, on two fronts. We're, first of all, not the Apostle Paul or, or even close. Um, and uh, I think everybody yes, is right now going, oh, obviously, you don't need to tell us that. Um, so, uh, and then th- the second thing is that, you know, it's just to, to be careful to about, you know, this is the, the Lord's work um, for sure. And um, it, it's also a, a work that that lots of people have have helped in, mm-hmm. and so I, 
you know, obviously have the most visible role in the church, but there are a lot of other men and women um, who partner with me, whether it be on our um, leadership team, um, whether it be on our staff team, and, and you know, hundreds and hundreds of people in the church body who totally. played a huge role in this. But um, with, with those things said, yeah, it's, it's really amazing. I, I was last night, I was out to dinner with our, uh, Lebanese partners who are here this week and, um, which was just talking with them about how I, on a regular basis, just, am um, uh, you know, have these moments where like, I, I just cannot believe um, all that God has done and would have never, um, uh, imagined that he, he would have done as much as he's done, um, during the last decade plus. And so it's, um, it's pretty, pretty amazing. And, um, I primarily though, I always want to make this clear is that yes, the church has grown in numerically, um, a, a lot Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we're, we're in multiple locations and we have a, um, City Hope Foundation that's ministering in a number of different communities and sending out field staff and, you know, planning churches around the world and, and all of that. Um, and, and it's, it's just, it's, it's pretty amazing. And it, it's a, it's a work that, um, I, I don't want to say defies logic, but, um, it's it blows me away, and especially when you, you know you look at a guy who 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 did didn't plan on being a pastor, did not want to be a pastor, uh, doesn't have you know training at least in institutional training, didn't go to seminary, um, and um, you know and, and yeah, and so and so here we are. It's it's not this is not anything that I plan or ever expected, and yeah. yet the Lord um, just sees uh, fit to do to do a good work. So, yeah. well, I don't think that, uh, Paul expected his life either. So I think <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, everything that, that every member of this church does is by the grace of God. And I think yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe this will be helpful. I, I had this, uh, potentially to talk about on Sunday, but, um, as I told you before we went on here, I had to cut, uh, um, a thousand words out of the message to make sure that we've had, had it, uh, concluded the service concluded at a reasonable time, but I think you know, we're still over your time. Too. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> over, normally, but, um, you know, I, I got a text um, last week from from somebody who who said, I, "I'm just coming to realize how, you know, uh, hard and a heavy role like you, you have." And um, you know, when when I got that, I, I was like, "Yeah, I mean, there there's certainly hardness and heaviness to it. It's been that way." T- 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 today, you know, some some situation or two that's, that's going on that, that's, that's really, really difficult. But that's not the way – I don't really feel – the overarching feeling that I have is not a hardness or heaviness, but of a privilege and an excitement over uh, what I get to do. And um, I, in, in many ways, uh, believe I'm the most blessed person Um I don't know if I could say in the world, but but certainly, um, yeah, maybe I would say in, in the world. There's nothing else I would rather do or or, or rather uh, be a part of than, than than this. And so, yeah, it's it's hard and heavy at times, but it's also just a um, pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, you are appreciated here. So, um, all right. 
now on to uh, signs and wonders. This is why you. It was your going job. so well. It was going so well. I know. Okay. <laughs> so we're gonna go just two verses ahead, um, and I think here I'll just I'll just read this section. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, to the to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So the signs and wonders line there. What? What are we supposed to take from that? Yeah, um, this was uh, another one of those uh, places that I uh, had to cut. But you know, Paul's Paul's talking about things like um, healing. He's he's talking about performing miracles, um, and uh, you know, uh, he calls these in in Second Corinthians chapter twelve uh, the signs of an apostle. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to in any way deny that God may be working through um, signs and wonders um, today. And, and so please don't hear me saying that uh, at all. But I do want to emphasize that I think Paul makes it pretty clear in that 2 Corinthians 12 passage. And, and, and he says here, this is what I did. Um, this is descriptive. It's not prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, that these, uh, the apostles and their close associates and, and the, 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 the founding of the church and New Testament church, especially as, as they would go out and plant churches in unreached uh, locations would be to authenticate the gospel message. Um, and that, um, I think that the, the Bible, then this is, this is my position and there are people, um, who would, would disagree with this, both better church and, and, and broader Christianity, but by and large, those, those things, um, are, uh, really for the authenticating of the gospel message in a place where it has not reached before. Um, and that we should not normally expect that these things are going to occur in our context. And, and here, here's the reason is that we have the, the word of God. We have God's full revelation. We have the scriptures, we have an established church. And again, I don't want to deny that they, they could, God can do whatever he wants to do. Okay. And so, I'm not saying that that he he doesn't, but um, I think it's easy to look at a passage like this and to say, okay, signs and wonders; those are the primary deeds that Paul did, and therefore those are the primary deeds that we should do. And I would say two things: first of all, they're not the primary deeds that Paul Paul did. That's the point that I made on on Sunday, and he makes that clear in the rest of the passage, and really um, in the rest of the New Testament. In fact, when he's talking about um, things like speaking in tongues and um, in First Corinthians, he he actually says, I, "I would I would rather okay speak like ten ten words mm-hmm. uh, than do uh, you know a, a thousand or ten thousand um, speak in, in tongues in ten thousand words." And right. and so um, they they weren't the primary ways that or deeds that Paul did, and they um, therefore uh, are are not the the primary deeds that we should think that we're going to, to do either. Um, and, uh, the primary deeds would be, as I talked about meeting physical and material needs and living lives that, um, make the gospel attractive. Yeah. I don't think we've really had the, uh, cessationist, uh, continuationist conversation. We, on we here. just got into it a little bit there. We did a little so, bit. Yeah. 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 I think that's good for today. That was helpful. 
I'm sure we'll get into it eventually. Um, okay, on to some practical things. So you open your message by talking about John Piper's sermon, um, where he gave two examples of retirement. One example was two ladies who uh, died while giving their lives to spread the gospel. And the other was a couple who retired and collected seashells. Um, the, you know, the point was clear that we don't want to waste our lives even as we get older. Um, and this passage shows Paul as, as a perfect example of what we should do. Mm-hmm. Um, how should the people of Harmony, you know, in their 30s, 40s, 50s view retirement? What, what steps should we take? And, and I know you kind of you went over this on Sunday, but I'm, I'm kind of looking for practical steps that we mm-hmm. can take to prepare mm-hmm. to remain faithful and fruitful in that time. Yeah, so uh, we'll get practical here in a second. First of all, let me say a couple things. One, the, the Bible has nothing to say about retirement. Um, and so um, that doesn't mean that it's wrong to retire. So please don't hear me saying that. But um, the, the second thing, though, uh, we, we do need to, to recognize is that, um, you know, it is the American dream to make as much money as you can and then to retire as soon as you can mm-hmm. and just to sail off and to take it easy. And um, that's, that's just not a biblical view of, of life. It's that, that's a, that's a view that where life is primarily about us and our comfort and our, and our safety. Um, and so I, I would just say that we've got to maybe do, do a reset um, on, on, on that. So if, um, if we we do retire and plan to retire, um, I would I would suggest that we should be thinking about okay, how can we therefore um, spend more of our time <laughs> um, giving it directly to God's global mission and 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 to uh, the furtherance of the gospel. And so, um, I think if you know if somebody retires or even retires early, I don't I don't have a problem. With, with that, I'm, and I don't think the that the scripture would have a problem with that. But how how are we going to use that that retirement then? Not simply to go and to spend our time and our, and our talents and our treasures on ourselves, but how are we going to you know really uh, even give more really to the gospel's sake? And and here's a great thing we we've got. Um, um, I'll give you just a couple of examples. One would be um, we um, we have a, a number of. Um, not a few uh, older retired people who um, helped to run our our cupboard, yeah. Um, yeah. and and so that's in both in Burlington and Fort Madison. And, and without them, I, I don't think we would have the ministry that we have. And they're out there serving and just giving their time. Um, we have a. a, a a number of uh, retired people who are really involved in ministry here and other ministries here celebrate recovery and they do Bible studies and they serve in just a whole host and variety of ways. And so that's really, really great. And, and just on a personal note, I look at my, you know, I look at my dad. So my dad retired, I think he was 67, 68 years old. He's, he's now 75, but my dad's probably doing um, more ministry than, than he's, he's ever done. And he, um, uh, you know, he had to take a break for several years because of caring for my mom, but he's, um, 
he's still teaching a Sunday school class. He's still serving in various ministries. He's still pouring into people's lives. He even, believe it or not, but just preached um, on a Sunday morning uh, a few weeks ago at 76 years old. Um, And so I, that's just, that's, that's kind of what I think we're, we're looking at there is, is, and so I would encourage people who are in their thirties, forties or fifties, like, uh, so practically uh, let's be good stewards Okay, let's um, let's try to make decisions now, especially in terms of career and, and finances that will perhaps set us up to to retire to maybe even a young age so that then we can um, go do short term mission trips or we can even maybe go serve um, in, in, in the midterm or even even a long term or how we can be give more of our time uh, to, to the church um, or. Uh, on, on the other side, I use the example uh, on Sunday of somebody who says, "Hey, you know, I've I've um, I'm able to make um, quite a bit of money, um, but I'm not going to make that money just to to you know for myself. I'm going to use it. I'm going to keep working because then I can give liberally to to the mission. And so it's just you know, what is our mind a mindset? Is it is that, do we have a mission mindset or do we have a, a comfort uh, mindset? Do we have the American mindset or do we have a gospel mindset? And I, I would encourage our, you know, you, you mentioned 30s, 40s, 50s, and you could start earlier and go yeah. later than that. Yeah. But h- how are we, you know, how, how are we thinking? How are, how are we, how are we viewing um, that early? Like, don't wait until you are 62, 65 or, or, or whatever, but have that mindset from the beginning and, and try to be as good steward as you can um, to prepare for that time. Yeah. Yeah. I think every time this, this conversation comes up is, you know, it's typically around money, right? It's around, mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. Setting yourself up for, for retirement. And I mm-hmm. think there's certainly wisdom there of, you know, be you know, like you said be a good steward do what you can to to save for what you'll need mm-hmm. but yeah I, I think you're right that it's all it's all about mindset am i am i living for my retirement to just do what i want to do or am i am i mission-minded so mm-hmm. that's a good way to put it so what about someone who is retired now and is still fruitful in ministry um is there is there a responsibility to help pass the torch to the next generation? I don't know if that's something that's really thought about that much. Um, mm-hmm. We feel like you know we need to continue doing what we're doing, but not necessarily, or maybe just assuming that the next generation is going to pick it up. But there's a lot of wisdom to pass down. So what would you say to someone in that position? Yeah, maybe I will talk about this personally, uh, and maybe it'll be helpful, and then we can talk a little bit more specifically. So, um, I'm already at 51, um, thinking about succession, um, and even, um, our, our, our elders, I've had uh, some discussions with them, just initial ones about like, um, how, how do we think ahead? And so that, um, the church, um, would continue to to go on and go in the direction that it, that that God would have it to go when when it's time for me not to be the the lead pastor any any longer and that could go in a whole host of different directions so it's not and and we've 
you know, we, we, we've only barely scraped the surface here, but sure. it, it, and, and somebody might be listening like, you're only 51. Why, why are you thinking about this? And are you going somewhere? And there's, there, you know, like there's no plan for, for me to go anywhere and at least no plan that I'm aware of. <laughs> um, but, um, but I, I personally want to be thinking along those, those lines and, and, and Lord willing, this is going to come, you know, years down the road. So, um, I hope the Lord gives me many, many more years here, but, um, I, I do not want to get to the place where, you know, um, the churches need to come to me and say, Hey, we think it's, we think you need to move, <laughs> you, you need to move on. Right. Uh, nor do I want to get to the place where the church is, is, is not, um, in, in a good place and is not ready for, uh, that moment or even, you know, ready for whatever, uh, could happen. And so I just want to say like, like personally, I feel a, a, a real responsibility to help to, to, to pass it on to the next generation and to raise up, um, younger men, um, in particular to, 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 to pastor and to elder, um, the, the church. And so, um, I just maybe then getting more specific to people who are older than, than me. And, and that would be, um, there's not a, you know, that's less and less people all the time, but, um, you know, I do think we should have this mentality and, and, and one of the great things about the older generation generations, um, especially here at Harmony, is that they're faithful, they're steadfast, they're they're by and large generous, they're com- they're they're ultra you know ultra committed people, and that's mm. fantastic. Serve yeah. the church so well. I'm so so thankful for that. One weakness is that that they're not necessarily the greatest at actually you know um, raising up and pouring into other people and and maybe even um, at, at times letting letting go of some some things to let other people have the opportunity. That's not you know th- th- I don't think that's a huge weakness for us by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's a huge weakness in 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 you know our our culture. Um, well, it has re- been really. in the church, but too. even we've, in, in we've church. all seen churches close their doors because of that. Right. Right. And, and, and older people hang, holding on mm-hmm. to the, um, you know, the influence, uh, power, it, whether in a good way or a bad way and, and, and not, um, and, and young people are just, especially today, they're not gonna, they're not gonna, you know, deal with that. Well, that they want to be involved. Yeah. They, they, they want to, um, have the seat at the table and there's a, there's a time and place for them to have a seat at the table. It's not like we just give it there. Right. Um, they 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 need to um, they need to be developed, but but we have a responsibility, and, and I think um, I would just encourage um, the people who are near retirement age or even uh, in in retirement um, that they really should um, do all they can to, like you said, pass the torch, and yeah. and 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 not and that doesn't mean just like handing it off, like hey, there you go, we're we're out of here. It's like how do we how do we bring them. Uh, along how do we mm-hmm. do ministry together and and um invite them in and and I remember um to go back to um literally the first couple of months that I was here um I we we actually there was a, the the executive team elders um at that time, and I went to a conference at John Piper's Church in, in, in Minneapolis. He's really getting his time today. He's getting a lot today, <laughs> and um, and 
we, 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 we sat at a dinner and, and I asked the, the elders and, and mo- all of them were old, were older than, than me. And some of them, mm-hmm. you know, somewhat significantly. Um, and I, I just, I, I asked them, you know, what, what are your, what's your hope for the, the, the future of the church? And, and, and one of them who, who would have been one of the, the older ones at that time, um, he said, what I want to see is I want to see, um, younger men serving on, on, on this team and serving as, as, as elders and, and raised up mm-hmm. and by God's grace now, you know, 12 plus years later, that's actually, that's actually the case. Um, and we still, you know, we still need to do that more and more. And, 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 and by the way, we, we, we still need old, we, we, we desperately yeah. need older people. Yeah. And, and, and so I want to, I want to give a counterbalance here um, because in, it's kind of interesting, like po- politically in our country, it, it, it seems like the, the, the old people are just really, really holding on and, and, and not letting go. And Absolutely. yet at the same time, we have a high value. We don't really generally have a high value of, of uh, on age, <laughs> right? It's, yeah. it's the young young youth that's valued. Um, and, and of course, the Bible values you know sure. the gray head, the, 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 sure. the wisdom that comes with being older. So we, we desperately need... Um, the, the the older generations and especially in in, in leadership because they have uh, the, the the wisdom and the experience yeah. that the younger people do not have and so we need we need we need both and here it's not one or the other and I actually think we have a really good mix here at, at Harmony and I I love that um, our, our older people and our older leaders have this attitude is we want to bring younger people along. We, we want to share, uh, leadership and young people are pretty respectful of, of the, the, the older people and the older leaders in our church. Yeah. So well, I agree. I, I think that that is fostered well in harmony. I, and I think that it, it is probably going to be, you know, a mind, a mindset change for, for some people, um, to, to think that way because, you know, they've been probably been doers their whole life. And mm-hmm. so now kind of taking, I, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but kind of taking a step back and, okay, mm-hmm. how do I come alongside you and prepare you for it? I think, yeah, I think that it's vital to, uh, to the next generation, but also I think that there's, you know, every generation looks at the one coming up and says, Ugh, why, <laughs> why are you this way? And I think that some of that is, you know, I think that we need to trust that God is going to be faithful in the next generation for his mm-hmm. church. And even mm-hmm. if we don't understand why why yeah. millennials are the way they are or whatever, I think that we need to trust that, that God's faithful to his church. You're a millennial, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I'm more confused <laughs> by the Gen Zs. So. Yeah, I think that's a really good note there. I, I think every you know generation it looks down on the one that's preceding it um and vice versa generally speaking but but um especially you hear older people complaining about younger people and sure. i i just like yes we all have our issues and but i said tell you i the your generation and the generations younger there's 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 a lot um there's a lot of really really good things and and so yeah there's some things that um you know, we we need to 
we need to work on and we need to address. But, but we also have the, a lot of things that uh, can can really, really make a difference in the kingdom and are making a difference in the kingdom. Yeah, good. Um, so one last one. You said uh, Paul's not just after conversions. He wanted to see people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Um, and I think it's it's relatively common for Christians to believe that conversion is the end of evangelism, but that's clearly not what Paul thought. So why is it crucial to understand that evangelism isn't the end of the church's responsibility to unbelievers? I'll be really simple uh, here or, or quick. Um, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, um, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, um, baptizing them uh, and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And so it's, um, you know, it, we really can equate, I think, in many ways, baptism to evangelism. But then Jesus says, baptize them and teaching them everything I've commanded you. And so it's it's um, it, it's not the end. It's not the finish line when someone places their faith in Christ. Um, it's really the beginning line. And I think that that's a big error that the church um, in the last 50 years has, has really made is like we, we, we've been so focused on conversions that we've, we've missed that, like, like we've, the, that's it. Okay. Um, and nobody would actually say that, but that's kind of how we so emphasize that, that, that then we, we don't recognize that, um, you know, that really is where uh, it gets started and, and, um, the Christian life begins. And now we're in this process of becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. We're becoming fully mature in Christ. We're growing in our sanctification. So what would you say happens when someone comes to the Lord and then isn't discipled? Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to, to see, uh, maybe the response to this, but I, I think, Sometimes what happens is that the person actually reveals that they weren't actually a believer in the first place. That mm-hmm. that that their profession of faith was was simply a a mental assent um, or, or 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 whatever. And and that when there isn't further discipleship, then some of the maybe. Um, misunderstandings that they had, um, or, or maybe to use kind of Jesus' analogy of the parable of the sower, they be, they show that they are rocky soil or thorny soil, and they don't actually end up bearing um, bearing fruit. Um, that's kind of worst case scenario. Um, the be- best case scenario is that they remain immature, um, and they, they, they bear little fruit, um, and they um that w- which has ramifications for them for their relationships um and um you you get uh, uh, immaturity and 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 if if we could talk about it this way if if that's kind of the ethos of a church is you got a bunch of Im- immature mm-hmm. believers you got a real mess on your hands mm-hmm. um and now every church uh, that is actually growing and and is seeing people come to Christ is going to have immature believers. So let's be really clear. We, yeah. we actually want immature believers. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, um, it's going to be messy. It, it's going to be messy there. But if you have a, a, a majority or even a, a large number of immature people, you're going to have a, you're going to have a mess. Yep. And, um, 
And so um, it's it's absolutely crucial and really to, to the mission because in, in people who are not discipled don't make disciples. And so mm-hmm. you, you're not going to – you're not going to be able to accomplish your mission if you're not actually discipling people and, and people are um, growing in their understanding and application of the gospel. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that that's just something that we need to keep in mind as as we try to fulfill that, that call to evangelize is that, you know, the next step to that is getting a church <laughs> – like we're we're mm-hmm. not just looking for a profession. We we mm-hmm. want this person to be discipled. And I, as I you know read verse fourteen, it's really interesting to me <laughs> that you know Paul, after everything that he's he said in this letter, he said, "You guys already know this. I I already taught you this." Yeah. And then yep. he proceeds to write this huge treatise on on the gospel mm-hmm. just by way of reminder. And so, like, (laughs) the way that, you know, he treated his congregations is just crazy. And I think that we need to take it that seriously, too, that that the church is vital to to believers. Yeah, and, you know, there's the old Sunday school song that I think is important for us at at Harmony to keep in mind in in these days is deep and wide. Do you remember that? Did you sing that? Did emotions? Uh, Do you want to do it together right now? Sure. uh, But um, I... We want to go wide because we want to reach people with a gospel. And um, we've been called to take the gospel to all nations. But we have to, to, to remember that as we go wide, that we need to, to also go deep. And we, we, we need to, to make sure that we are growing in our understanding of the gospel and we're growing in our relationship with Christ. And um, I, I actually believe um, that if we... It, it, if we take care of the, the the deep, the wide will really come as a um, as kind of a, a result of that. Although we we we've got to keep that focus in, in mind. So yeah. I, well, I, I mean, it kind of comes back to the beginning of this: the worship leads to witness, right? The more the the deeper we are in our in our understanding of God and our love for God, the more our worship is going to lead to. Yeah. It getting yeah. wider. So, hey, let me. Um, I, I know we're getting to close here. Let me just uh, give a little bit of a, a preview of, of next uh, Sunday, yeah. um, the next couple of Sundays, and just want to encourage everybody. Romans fourteen. Um, we're going back. I, I know it's kind of out of order here a little bit, but uh, these are going to be some really, really important messages uh, for us. And so, I hope everybody will. Um, be reading uh, Romans 14 in, in preparation, and then we'll, we'll come ready uh, to dive in. I think it's going to be important. And then follow up with us on the podcast. So the, I really believe that these next couple of podcasts that we do are probably going to be some of the most important that we, we, we've done. All right. Well, you heard it here. Um, yeah. Appreciate your message. And um, thanks for hanging out today. We'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>